This episode is sponsored by Kangaroo Jack Fitness, personal training that goes above and beyond to get the best results for you. It was like the opening scene of Black Hawk Down, the way the players were going down. <laughs> game time uh it's tim and alan this week alan how you doing buongiorno very well thank you how are you good good very well thank you this episode we're talking about all of the um, matches from the weekend the carabao cup final all the issues at chelsea which there's a lot of um the weekend's matches and maybe a little look forward to stuff coming up midweek as well uh we are recording this just as the tuesday matches are going on so nothing about those but um the matches for wednesday we'll have a quick look at before we start, a quick shout out to Joe Holton, who was um, tweeted us saying, great to see Charlie Daniels get mentioned for the pod in the fourth week in a row. Uh, I can guarantee you he's not being mentioned this week. Um, let's start off. Brendan I, I, heard he's, I heard he's going to be the new assistant of Leicester. <laughs> uh, it's a long odds, very long odds, but it'll happen. Mm, I'm not so sure. Um, yeah, the other Brendan Rodgers has gone to Leicester. Brendan Rodgers, yeah. Back in the Premier League. Um, yeah, I'm quite excited about this, actually. Um, it's a good job. It's a brilliant job. I mean, to be honest, like, there's nothing wrong with Leicester, really, is there? It's no. not as if Puyol's been sacked and it's a crisis. Um, we've talked about it on the pod before. They were in a very good spot. I think they were waiting slightly for uh, Puyol. Uh, Puyol? Puyol. 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 Carlos Puyol. Um, <laughs> they, they were waiting for him, I, I would think to have a bad run which is what he's had now I think they lost six and seven yeah but the mentality of the fans didn't sort of help to that environment but I think they were certainly waiting for him to have a bad run uh can't argue too much against the sacking perhaps but certainly Leicester are in a very healthy position they're not going to get sacked it's a it's a pretty good job to go into to be honest I mean, I think Leicester's probably the, the biggest job outside the top six I think um for jobs you want other than maybe Everton um, which yeah, might become available soon. Um, but like Leicester have sacked their last three managers, having lost six matches, Puel, Shakespeare, and of course Ranieri. Um, should never have let him go, really. But I think I think Rodgers is quite an exciting appointment. It gives him a chance for redemption in the Premier League. Well, they, I mean, whatever you say about Rodgers, his sides have played very good football. Swansea um, played very good football. Liverpool certainly did. Uh, Celtic. I, I've got to admit, I don't watch a huge amount of um, Scottish Premier League football, but uh, he's done a very good job. And, and to be honest, he's taken as far as he can, really, hasn't he? Yeah. Because he's had, he's um, he's done the double triple um, for the last previous two seasons, and he's on. He's basically won as much as he could conceivably do. Um, the only thing potentially he could have done more is um, is, is Champions League form. Yeah, uh, they, I think, I think, think they've managed to get out of the group stage or get to the group stage under his tenure. Um, but, but that's really the only blight against him. Yeah, there's um, not a huge amount you can do with Celtic. Um, like, you know, the best team is Scotland and there will be for a very long time. I think it's a job that you can get to a certain level at and then sort of use as a stepping stone to get somewhere else, which is pretty much what Rodgers has done, to be honest. 
and that's that's nothing against Scottish football at all. But you know, in the modern game, everything boils down to money. Uh, It's very hard in terms of how how you can be successful as a club, how you can sort of um, build your brand and then use that to sign players. Unfortunately, for for Celtic, there's just not the money. I think their record signing is you know a touch over ten million or something like that. And although it's not all about it is a reflection on how much they're sort of limited in that capacity. So I think that's sort of what maybe Brendan Rodgers saw. He saw there is a ceiling currently with with uh, managing Celtic, and uh, I I think it'd be hard to argue against Leicester being a bigger job currently. Yeah, well, they're they're sat in 12th at the moment, eight points off uh, the relegation zone. You wouldn't think they're in too much trouble, but of course, um, if Pure was still there and a few results didn't go their way, then they might possibly be in trouble. It's quite close down the bottom. So they'll be looking for a, a, you know, a quick impact and um, a few wins to sort of get them to higher, more safety. Yeah, I don't think they're in any, any particular danger, but I think that's probably the first priority. Yeah. Now, let's move on from that to the Carabao Cup final and Chelsea. Now... <laughs> A huge amount, a huge amount went down uh, on Sunday. Went down. Well, uh, Maurizio Sarri, having been under huge pressure for the last sort of month or so, saying that um, his job was, you know, reliant on the two games they had: the Europa League match on Thursday against Malmo, and then the Carabao Cup final against Manchester City, saying that if he, you know, lost, he would be gone. Uh, and those were his two matches to save his job. Now, he beat Malmo, understandably, you'd expect that. Lost to City, but it did go to penalties. Now, I think Chelsea played quite well, and for a lot of the match, were genuinely on top. Like, City did have the moments, and they were, you know, they played well, not to the, you know, standard we expect City to play, but Chelsea did put in a good effort. The fact that... Both teams probably could have scored to win the match at several different occasions. You know, could have swung it one way or the other. I think tactically, it was it was pretty good from Chelsea. And arguably, they looked better towards the end of the game. Um, I mean, they obviously had to analyse what went wrong in that six 0 drubbing a few weeks ago. Um, it, it was certainly a different setup team, um, and one that's more defensively minded. Maybe something we haven't seen so much from Sarri, but it was definitely less reckless. And they did sort of nullify Man City to a certain extent. Um, they played, who's the left-back who played instead of Alonso? He looks Emerson. pretty solid. Emerson. Yeah. I, mean, I mean, I know you love Alonso, but and you would have been glad to see him on the, um, that makes on the bench. Sick. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean, another man on the bench, Caballero. Uh, <laughs> well, let, let's describe what happened first and then get into reasoning behind it. So... Um, sort of the like 118th minute, so like the very end of extra time, Kepa went down with cramp for what looked like the second time. Doctors went onto the pitch, loaded miscommunication. Immediately, Sari thought, or immediately, Sari went to the bench and was like, Right, Caballero, get warmed up. You're going on. Um, the keeper's gone down with cramp. The doctors are on the pitch. Kepa then gets up and waves to Sari, saying, Oh no, gives him a thumbs up, saying, like, I'm okay to carry on. But, you know, mm. the board goes up, the substitution board goes up with Kepa's number on it. So, like, this, you know, he wants to be, Sarri wants Kepa to come off and Caballero to go on. And then Kepa refuses to go off and goes and walks back into his goal. Now, a huge amount has come out about this and 
like the reasoning behind it. Apparently, it was a misunderstanding and blah blah blah, and it's all bullshit. Um, what's happened is, do, do you reckon anyone this for the first time? Surely everyone's everyone knows this part. Do you reckon we're breaking news here? That'd be nice. <laughs> no. Um, um, yeah. No. So. <laughs> Keppel was fined and has apologised to Sari and the fans and his teammates and Caballero and blah, blah, blah. And Sari just said, you know, there was a misunderstanding. We don't want to... It literally says, we don't want to kill Keppel, but I'll see if he'll be uh, starting for the next game that. against Tottenham or not. Um, yeah, not too sure. But, I mean, as an outsider, what's your opinion on what's going on here? Because I'm obviously quite biased. Just maybe a touch. Um, no, no, it's nice to hear that uh, he doesn't want to kill him. Um, <laughs> which... Interesting probably the thoughts of a man who's calmed down a bit because I, I reckon if you had had a slightly sharpened object <laughs> placed in his hand during that game he might have thought slightly differently mm. um i you know there was that brilliant shot of him walking down the tunnel um and it, and it looked like it was all like, i reckon he just really wanted a cigarette to be honest. Yeah. More than anything. um he, he lost his little uh cigarette butt that he's chewing on his nicotine um, fix in terms of oh, the outlook on it I think this has been played politically. The, the fact he's been fined, but Sarri also said it's a mistake, is contradictory. Mm. A, um, a, a week's wage, a misunderstanding, sorry. Um, but he, he was fined, is, uh, yeah, I think a bit contradictory. Um, it seems a bit like backtracking. I, I, think, he's, I think he was out of order, um, even if. It was a misunderstanding. As soon as they've got the board up, you should mm. be going off the pitch. Yeah. And if you see your manager absolutely blowing his top, you you should think, oh, maybe maybe I shouldn't do this. Mm. Um, I don't and know, I think I do, it, does, it does undermine it. It, it does a bit. I think of all the players to do it, I think Kepper and the goalkeeper probably undermines him the least, if that makes sense. Like, he's not the most high-profile player to do it. If it was an outfield player, that would be even yeah. worse. Um, but, I mean, th- th- you know, the only, the only thing is about this, he's a £71 million goalkeeper. Um, he's a new signing. With player power and all of this, I just can't see anything, any further ramifications. Yeah. Sarri knows that he can't do anything for the situation. If this was like an ageing keeper or, an, or, or a slightly more minor player, he'd be able to, I think the hammer would be struck, struck down slightly stronger than a week's wages. I think they know this is a bit precarious situation, but Kepa's an important player, an important, a player that's going to be at the club for a long time, and they have to handle this quite delicately. Yeah, it's a good point. I think you, he is incredibly important and he is young, but I also think there's this sort of... Kepa had reason to be angry about it, because if he's... And I, I sort of... I buy into the fact there might have been a bad communication between the doctor and the bench in that Sarri sort of decided to bring, made a decision to bring Caballero on before he knew what was going on. But, yeah. and I, I, I understand why Kepa's angry because if he's okay to carry on, he's played 120 minutes of a final, a cup final. And then if he's being taken off for the shootout is a little bit disrespectful considering he is your number one keeper. He's just been brought in. You showed the no, this... in it. I understand that, but you're right. Once the board's gone up, you have to come off. There's, there's no two ways about it. There is precedent for it, though. I think in the World Cup 2014, Van Gaal took off... Uh, he took off Sillison for Tim the, Krul, I think. Tim, no, was it Vaughan or Krul? I think Krul, was it Krul came on for Sillison, didn't he? And he yeah, yeah, and that worked quite well. Um, 
Yeah, you know, the whole thing is just a mess, oh, though. It and um, it <laughs> had to be Chelsea, honestly. No, it's horrendous. Uh, I think, I mean, the fining was the club saying, like, we're fining this. They donated the, the, the money to the Chelsea Foundation and gone, this is like disciplinary action for you. And I think they quite easily could yeah. have not done that, which would have sort of undermined Sarri a bit. So I think what they've done is right, and they haven't gone too hard on either either way. Um, and I genuinely think, you know, Kevin apologised, I genuinely think he meant it, but he did come off looking like a bit of a dick. Yeah, especially when he winked to camera and then fluffed that <laughs> Aguero penalty. <laughs> yeah, that, Definitely that was the thing. If he hadn't missed that penalty... Chelsea could have potentially won and he wouldn't have looked like even more of an arsehole than he did. You've got to back yourself and you've got to, uh, you've got to do a bit better than he did. It, it, it was, but, uh, you know, he was there to save it as well and it did just sort of go under him. Um, it was not, not mm. great keeping. I mean, Jorginho, who actually had sort of a decent game, took the first penalty, did his sort of jumpy runner, which he, you know, he's a good penalty taker, but <laughs> fluffed it completely. No, I, I'm, I'm a big advocate of just, you know, Smash it, low and hard, make it half the keeper. Whatever, I mean that's the polar opposite. Of it. Yeah, he's, he's, <laughs> he's scored a lot of them previously though. Like in pre-season and in I think Europa League match, he did that and sort of he does a little jump, sends the keeper the wrong way. But if you watch Edison, he clearly knew that he just stood there. Georgina yeah. then couldn't generate any power oh, on it, just passed it, and Edison just saved it really yeah. easily. One thing I did enjoy. And I think Hazard's more happy with this than he would have been actually winning it. His penalty, his his smug look on his face. The balls to do I, that. I he's, he's got some stones, hasn't he? But then again, it, it, it's quite easy to do a penalty like that when I don't think you care about the club. Oh, I'm not sure about that. I'm not sure about that. I think his performance, he was one of the best players on the pitch. I know Bernardo Silva got man of the match. I think Kante was probably Chelsea's best player, but... I think he gives a lot for the club. I think that performance show he played for 120 minutes and worked his ass off. And then... No, I mean, he, did, he did give a lot of go forward for Chelsea. Um, and he, right, he probably is going, but I think, I think he does care about the club. He's been there over, I think, five years now. And, um, you know... Oh, no. I, I think he does. He does, really. And he's, he's won a lot there. And, uh, yeah, he's given a lot. I think he's going as long as... Uh, Chelsea appeal the transfer ban and actually managed to get a replacement in for him before he leaves. Absolutely. Would have been nice to see some goals this weekend, though. <laughs> yeah, well, the Manchester United-Liverpool game. Uh, none in it either, plus four substitutions in the first half. Yeah, I mean, oh, for substitutions, this was like a world-class game. <laughs> no one knew what was happening. No one knew what was happening. I, was, I, I watched the whole game, actually. Um, and... It was like the opening scene of Black Hawk Down, the way the players were going down. <laughs> it was mad. And the first 30 minutes, I think like five United players were injured. It's like someone was, a sniper was picking them off or something. And mad. Um, Rashford, I mean, a lot of credit to him for Carrying on. playing on for the night. Obviously, he had. But he was the first player injured. He did his hamstring in, what, five minutes in, and then. Everyone else got injured and went off, including Lingard, who'd already come on in the match and then went off again after about 10 minutes and Rashford played the entire 90. I'd, yeah, I mean, and then who else went off? Oh, Firmino also yeah. went off for Liverpool. After Fabinho um, was injured. And it was, oh, and it was absolutely bonkers. And, and unfortunately, a repercussion of that was 
it was a bit of a stalemate of a game, quite tactical. And Solskjaer did quite well to to adjust and 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 have a look at what was required in terms of substitutions. Uh, but a lot of the speed and impetus of Manu was taken out. Yeah, just did you um, see unfortunately. Klopp's uh, excuse for Liverpool not winning that game? Uh, no, it's, no, it's, no, what was this? Uh, all of them, the substitutions in the first half, made by Man United, really upset their rhythm. This is, this is two <laughs> weeks after he blamed the wind uh, for a draw, another draw in the, in the Premier League. Yeah. Add to my confusion about extra time. Because there was about four players dying during the first half. Still like three minutes. I think it was, it was four, like four minutes at a time, wasn't it? Um, was I it think four. Still, though. Yeah, you'd expect it to be like was, eight. The game was stopped for about 20. But yeah, I mean, Klopp said at the end, didn't he? Uh, what a effing shit game. Yeah. Also, effect to Solskjaer. Um, hard to argue. Uh, but yeah, a lot of people nullified. Uh, another credit to uh, Luke Shaw, because Salah was... A bit ominous during that game. He, he had the free kick that he blasted over the bar, uh, and then one more mm. opportunity, I think, that, or in the, at least in the first half, that you know came to absolutely nothing. Yeah. And you know he, he didn't have an impact. And even though Shaw wasn't actually that sort of apparent and prevalent on the pitch, I think he did a great job of just sort of well pocketing him. Yeah, yeah, no, he did very well. A, a shift that uh, Lukaku put in on the wing again. Yeah. <laughs> He seems to be making that position uh, his own. For Whether that's a good thing or not, I'm not really sure. I think for Man United, it's a good thing. Because I think there's no way at the moment, if Rashford's fit, you can't play him down the middle because of how good he's been. And then if you can have Lukaku on the wing, who or as a sort of second striker, who I, you know, in that position, I think he's really useful against fullbacks that aren't as strong or um, tall as him. I think he can prove really useful, but... Whether he's happy there or not is another question. He's shown in the past few games, though. He's got a nifty pass on him. Yeah. Um, there's a couple he set up in the Arsenal game a few weeks ago, and there was a pass in for Lingard, um, which was, yeah, quite impressive, actually. I mean, Lingard almost scored. It was a good good clear-out from Alisson, which you know eventually left Lingard injured. But, yeah, it was... Um, his link-ups play is probably better than I give him credit I think for. He's playing down the uh, left with Pogba behind him as well. That really helps him out, just because you know Pogba's obviously on fire at the moment, and uh, his crosses to the back post to what get Man United most of the goals. But um, it's, it's genuinely it, useful it, it, there. It is. So where does this leave Liverpool? Do you think? Uh, I don't know. It's you know if you're fighting for a title, you need to win these matches, despite how many injuries there are to the other team, Mister Klopp. Um, because what they're now a point ahead of City, but yeah. like they're even on games now as well. After um, City didn't play this weekend, obviously in the league. But I don't know. I'd still back City at the moment. Like, but that's the thing. Like, it's no longer a gap. Particular. I mean, it is a gap, but it's only a point, so it's hardly, hardly massive. If you know, uh, what was it? Eight games ago, if you said, well, you told me. There's a gap of seven points. I would have said absolutely Liverpool have still got a title. I think I said it on the pod, actually, that the title's theirs. But from this position, I just don't see City not having an extra point compared to Liverpool across the course of the season. And their goal, key, uh, their goal difference is obviously quite a bit better than Liverpool. Um, I just can't see <laughs> City not getting it from here. I don't know. I probably said the same about Liverpool previously, but just with the squad that City have got, and they're even if they're fighting on all fronts going for the 
I mean, they're still on for the quadruple, aren't yeah. they? But they've got the squad for it. Well, look at Mar- Mara and Liverpool. hardly played. And, like, he was their £50 million signing. And he's sat in the bench exactly. in the reserves. The thing is, like, who have Liverpool got to bring on? And you saw it in the Manchester United game. You're relying on Origi and Sturridge. Yeah, it's, it's their squad really is as much as I've, As much as I've loved Sturridge in the past, and in, in glimpses, he's been a really, really special player. But Origi's not particularly proven in the Premier League. And he hasn't shown enough of enough of the talent that for why Liverpool brought him in, and and it's certainly not the type of talent that City are able to sort of draw from. Um, yeah, I just I think it's slowly ebbing away for Liverpool, but no, I'd love to be wrong though. Uh, yeah, yeah, I wouldn't. Um, <laughs> yeah. I think no, I think Klopp doesn't really know who his his best sort of substitutes are like. He started with Sturridge a bit. He then started bringing Origi on. He's got Shakiri, who doesn't come on for sort of large periods of the game at this point when you could bring him on early. Like, Firmino went off. I'd have thought you could put Salah down the middle if he's not getting a lot of success and bring Shakiri on. He didn't do that. Um, he yeah. still hasn't really sorted out his best midfield options yet. So, whether it's, you know, Guardiola can bring anyone in and they will immediately have an impact. They all know. They're all fighting for the position. They all think... Oh, if I play well this game, then I can get in the first team for the next match. And they've got, and everyone talks about having all these competitions as sort of a detriment to them when they've got a Europa League match, also oh, the um, EFL match, and then a Champions League match, and then an FA Cup match, and then two Premier League matches in a weekday. And it's like, I think it's a benefit. They've literally got two first eleven. Yeah, I think it's a benefit for City because all of these players think they can be fighting in the different trophies. So like, everyone wants to play that Champions yeah. League match. So they they play really well in the Premier League to then get earn their place in the Champions League, and then if they play really well in that Champions League match, they can come up against great opposition like Man United, and like. Well, it's exactly what a, a squad like City need to have sixty odd games in a season to keep that squad happy. Almost. And Guardiola's got a great um, job with it. Could you imagine? Exactly. Could you imagine how miserable the squad would be if they were only fighting in the Premier League? And they're out of the cups and the Champions League. Well, you League. think three of their players are leaving? You've got a squad of. Oh, exactly. But no, they're doing very well for that. One thing maybe that goes against City is um, Fernandinho got injured, didn't he? And Laporte, who have been yeah. two key members of the team. Laporte's played every minute, I He's think. Played the most minutes of I think anyone this season. Um, sure. Yeah. So those those are two big losses, and I think they're out for a number of weeks potentially. Well, um, I mean, they've got talks about the season about their reliance on Fernandinho and how different they look as a team without him. Yeah, I was. I mean, can they get Laporte? I think they've got they've got replacements like they've got Otamendi and they've got company they can bring in, and they might not be quite as good, but they've got replacements. Fernandinho, they've tried to play Gundogan sort of holding, and it, they've been all right, but not great. They've tried to play Stones in midfield, and it hasn't really worked. And like I was saying hmm. this in the, in the cup final, I think if Chelsea had just sort of put Kante on Fernandinho. Kante's quicker than him and is better on the ball than him, like dribbling-wise. So I thought, like, he can sort of, if he nicks the ball off him and accelerates away from him, you sort of nullify Fernandinho's sort of presence in that City team. Just press him a bit and try and win the ball a few times and you're already on the front foot. If teams, I mean, and like, if teams can do that, they're, you know have a really great chance against City. Maybe not the sort of lower league teams that haven't got the strength on like counter-attacking, but some of the big teams against them, especially in the Champions League, but um, missing him is a huge issue. And 
missing his sort of little tactical fouls will be huge for City because I think he committed about eight in that cup final and got oh, away with it. The micro fouling is um, it's almost his intellectual property at this stage. <laughs> he's, he's made it his own. Oh, absolutely. You make a fortune off those little micro fouls. But it's a genuine um, tactic. Like, they stop playing especially and turn it over so well. They can get players behind the ball. I have no idea. I have no idea how he does it without getting more yellows. Uh, I think it's, it's not going to take... Sensational stuff. He's world class. Yeah, I don't think, I don't think it's going to take too long for referees to start picking up on it. I think he got a yellow card very early in, in on that final. And I think it was his first one of the season or something like that. Or first one very recently in, that, in, the, in the cup. But referees are going to start picking up on it. Been talking about, people have been talking about this since like November. I remember watching a game where they were talking about uh, Fernandinho and the amount of fouls or non-fouls he commits without getting yellows. It's like, he still seems to get away with it. Yeah. It's, all credit to him. I'm, I'm, I'm well for it. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, one the only other interesting thing I picked out from that game was that after, um, was it Mata that went off first? Solskjaer did not trust Sanchez to come on and play 70 minutes of that match. Yeah. It's worrying. Yeah. It is, yeah, for a senior member of the squad and the richest member of the just, squad. Richest member of the squad. He did not think at all, did he? To to use him. Um Well he warmed up and then decided to bring Lingard on, who was already injured and then paid the prize for it half because he had to go off later. Is that a fitness issue or doesn't trust him playing issue? I don't know. I think like, it might be a fit not like an injury thing, but a fitness he just doesn't you think he'll lose his legs even after 70 minutes at the end of a match. And against Liverpool, you do not want to be running out of steam because they will break you down in the last 10 minutes of a match because of their pace. So partly because of that. And then I think part, like he came on and still hardly affected the game at all. Um, he wasn't passing great. He wasn't really thinking quick. He wasn't moving the ball fast enough and doesn't look to have enough end product. So I don't know. He does not look like Amazing, because I was looking back at highlight reels from his time at Arsenal the other day. And you think, who the hell is that player? <laughs> it's a different. Honestly, like, the, like Sanchez when he came to what, what the first few years at Arsenal looked like, he could do anything. Mm. He had such a lot of pace, quick on the ball, very little thinking time, and it's just some of the shots from outside the box. It's just amazing, and he was well, arguably one of the best players in the Premier League for a long time. He was the most maybe informed player in the Premier League. And you just think, ah, this is such a big drop-off. Yeah, I can see him going to China in the summer, to be honest. Um, oh, yeah. I mean, that that is probably a perfect move for yeah, him, to be honest. He's, he's taking up a huge amount of United's money and wages at the moment. I think he's on over 200k a week at least. Um, mm-hmm. And I just think there's no point of that. They'll want to get rid of him because there's no, there's no point having him in your squad not playing, especially if they bring in players in the summer as well. Um, and with yeah. Martial playing as well as he is at the moment under under Solskjaer when he recovers from his injury, um, they, there's no way they'll want sort of Sanchez hanging around taking up their money. No, absolutely not. Um, right, let's move on from that. Let's quickly mention some of the other games from the weekend. Um, Watford battering Cardiff 5-1 away. Uh, Dale Foe's hat-trick, the first for uh, the club. They they were just stunning. They were really, really good against quite a poor Cardiff side. Yeah, I mean, Watford are on a very good streak at the moment, and and Belafayu. I mean, it's something like is the record fantasy points 
score or something. Well, like you got about twenty-eight odd or something. So twenty-eight, well, maybe maybe this season. Um, and that doesn't always reflect how good players are, but uh, certainly in this case, it doesn't. Um, Deeney as well. Nice to see him bag a couple. I like Deeney. No, he's a good guy in, in um, captaining Watford still. Um, I think I think they prove a really great threat up front. Those two, sort of the the target man, the strong guy who can then just lay it off for De, uh, De who's so incredibly quick and talented. And we've talked about it on this podcast before about how he can sort of. And I think I suggested it how he's maybe the most sort of inform out of form player at a time where he plays one game incredibly well and then sort of is disappear for the other game. He doesn't look like that at all. He's just consistently putting in performances, proving me dead wrong. <laughs> yeah, almost since you said that. <laughs> Literally been... since I said that. Incredibly consistent. Um, um, yeah, just reading the running order, Danny's called Neil Warnock uh, Colin Wanker. Very, very childish, Danny. Um, but yeah, back to the Watford, I suppose. Uh, yeah, seventh they are now. Ten points behind Chelsea. Are you worried, Tim? Oh, you had to bring that up, didn't you? No, I'm not worried. Um, but all credit to Watford, they're doing incredibly well and they deserve to be there because the performances they put in this season are just absolutely stunning. Really, really well done for that. Um, the only thing I want to mention about Watford, extra to their game, is no one seems to be mentioning their weird 4-2-2-2 formation that they keep playing that no one else in world football seems to have adapted and yet it worked really well for them. Are we saying this is a new tactic? It's Javi, it's Javi Gracia, isn't it? Has he cracked a code? Yeah, I think he's come up with a really good solution. And they've been playing that for a while. But, you know, it seems to work. Just sort of the unconventional that teams maybe don't know quite know how to set up against. They seem to have found a really good balance. And looking at the team, there's no... Maybe a couple of stand-up players. I talked about De Feu, But they're definitely a team that's sort of greater than the sum of their parts. Mm. The, the, the real sort of team cohesion there uh, with a lot of players who arguably aren't as good as the position the Premier League suggests. Yeah, that always tends to be sort of club's downfall sometimes though when they rely on players playing in form and then when they, you know, when they play well, everything goes really well for them and they all sort of tick. As soon as, so if Dale Lefeu sort of starts falling off a bit, everyone else then gets worse. And obviously it might not happen this season, but next season it's something they need to worry about and need to sort of proactively make changes for. Because if some of the players sort of drop off and don't find the form they did this season, they could be in a bit of trouble. They could, but I mean, for now they're seventh. <laughs> now they're doing uh, very well. Just well. Um, uh. Tottenham losing to Burnley. Are we surprised? <laughs> they're sort of sat in the well, middle the of the moment. They're... Five points off City, but seven points ahead of Arsenal. Not really fighting for the title, but not really worried about dropping out of the top four either. Yeah, I mean, no one should have told them they were in a title race because it's like those fainting goats. As soon as they hear... <laughs> like, they hear like, the word title. Oh, no! Explain. Yeah, yeah, as soon as they hear the word title, it's like those, yeah, the coach, as soon as they're stressed, they just seize up and faint. I think in um, fairness, a lot of Tottenham fans didn't actually ever think they were in a title race. Um, they were just sort of no, no. overperforming for top four. But they would, I mean, you had to say they were, up, up they until were the last game. If they, had, if they had won the last game, let's say, they still yeah. would have been two points behind City, three points behind Liverpool, which at this stage of the season does qualify you. Yeah. There's title contenders. Back as well, 
Exactly, exactly. Um, but yeah, it's an opportunity wasted, certainly. Uh, but they do keep up their record of of no draws, which is sensational <laughs> for this point of the season. Twenty wins, seven losses. I mean, undrawables. are we? Are we? Yeah, are we going to see some sort of really unwanted invincible season? Bizarre. Remember, kids. Remember the season of twenty eighteen nineteen, where Tottenham went a whole season without drawing a game. I mean, they're already preparing the commemorative DVD, aren't they? Spurs. Be, Let's be they're honest. Put a statue of a, a chest of drawers outside the new White Hart Lane. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> be, yeah. To remember. I it. mean, to, yeah, Tottenham. If if you're if you're listening, marketing department, <laughs> Tottenham, we've got you. If you're listening. <laughs> you know, anyone of Tottenham. Yeah, management, management level, boardroom. You know, give give us a call. We'll sort you out. It's just a cupboard. <laughs> Brilliant. Um, but yeah, they find themselves in an opposition now, I suppose. A uh, bit adrift of both. Uh, they need to re-up and motivate themselves. They do. Um, they do have the Champions League to look forward to, though. The, are they at Dortmund next round? I believe... <laughs> That's an excellent question. I think they are. Um, I think they're at... I think the, the, 3-0 win was at Wembley, so they've got to hold on to a three-goal lead at Dortmund, which is not an easy feat. Mm. And uh, well, one thing to note from this game is uh, Pochettino blowing up. You see this? No. Oh, you didn't see? Okay, um, so Pochettino angrily confronted oh, yeah. uh, Mike Dean after the final whistle really got in his face. Um uh, and seemed very loud. They were both him, both him and the assistant manager were saying, "You can't say that. You can't say that." Um, there's still been nothing confirmed as to what Mike Dean said. Um, it's been suggested on another podcast that Mike Dean said after the assistant manager came up to him, said, "Well, the Lloris substitution didn't go very well for you, did it?" <laughs> or uh, um, classic Dean. Um, he's, he's obviously. Trying to go into management or something now, Dean. His head, his, his ego goes that far. Um, but yeah, a bit bizarre. Um, if anything, this is Mike Dean's favourite outcome because it, it's a story involving him that's going to run and run. He gets some pictures on BBC Sport. Um, well, it was all over oh, It was all over an issue about a corner. And Pochettino, or someone, I think Pochettino said, oh, if it was, you know, there should be VAR, like that would have been sorted out, but VAR wouldn't be checked for a corner, so it's all irrelevant anyway. So he's got angry over pretty much nothing. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, probably just taking his frustrations out, I suppose. Yeah, Mike Dean is, is an easy target, I suppose. Absolutely. He should relieve that stress with some cigarette butts, much like our... Uh... <laughs> it seems to keep him under checks, Harry. Huh? Oh, dear. Um, right, we'll finish... Today's episode is with some talking points. Uh, the first one I've got is, we've just mentioned VAR, is the VAR at Real Madrid. Um, they were awarded a penalty that no one thought was a penalty before VAR. Therefore, he went to VAR and no one still thought it was a penalty because it was quite clearly a dive <laughs> from Casemiro. Like, he wasn't touched and the referee still gave it. What's happening... <laughs> VAR supposed to be good for this game. If you read the uh, uh, the comments of news articles uh, from from any 
uh, newspaper available, their online services. It would seem previous to the season that uh, that the introduction of VR would be a bad thing for uh, Real Madrid, given the fact they couldn't have these uh, questionable penalties. I'm, I'm, I'm not buying into that at all. I'm not making any comment on that, but it, it seems they're doing all right out of it. <laughs> Gareth Bell neatly slotted that one. Business as usual. Business yeah. as usual. Um, the next thing I've got, I don't know if anyone's seen this, it's on the BBC Sport, BBC, sorry, BBC Sport webpage. I'm going to do that again. Uh, the next one I've got... It's on Sky what? <laughs> um, the next point I've got is it's on the BBC Sport website. Go and have a look if you can find it. Uh, Canterbury City player uh, Mabalaji Dawodu, I think I pronounced that right, um, was the last to arrive at the Canterbury dressing room um, for their match this weekend. So he had a forfeit. That forfeit was singing. He decided to do La Bamba. Um, the most energetic performance of Labamba I think I've ever seen. And halfway through, picks up a broom to start using as a microphone. It's great. It's a great oh. atmosphere. Go and watch it. I really hope they do well for the rest of the season. I don't know where they are, but oh, good luck. If you're going to do it, you might as well. Oh, throw yourself into it. Yeah. Um, brilliant. Uh, the final one I've got is um, Mesut Ozil. On again, an, another player on over two hundred thousand pounds a week, not playing. Um, yet Unai Emery's applaud his spirit despite him sitting on the bench and in the reserves for literally the entirety of the season. Oh God! Does that contribute to goal difference, spirit? <laughs> I, I, if, if, if the goal if goal um, scored are equal at the end of the season, they yeah, they go to who's got the most spirited players. Um, yeah. Clearly, Arsenal will win that because Arsenal has lots of spirit despite being paid a shit ton of money for not playing. <laughs> oh, it's ridiculous. ridiculous. He came off a lesson well, an hour a... and impressed Emery with his attitude. Stupid. Listen, it goes one way. <laughs> no, it doesn't. Young Gendozi. You see, um, there was a tweet earlier saying um, Gendozi is the ni- best 19 year old footballer to ever play the sport. Like, don't argue with me. And it's just like, this is coming from an Arsenal fan, obviously. And it's just like, hmm, Ronaldo, Messi, Mbappe, like, get your shit together. He scored against Carabag in an unbeaten run for 20 games. Like, get over it. Yeah, maybe not. Um, so, going to... I've, I've got one talking point, actually. It's, it's a round of uh, UEFA charges for some of the Madrid clubs. So, Ramos has been charged for his... Um, Purposely getting a yellow. Did you see this? I didn't know. So it's. I mean, he's been charged for this before, Ramos. Do you remember a few a few seasons ago when Mourinho was manager? He purposely got a yellow card yeah. in order to miss the next match so that he'd be free again. Uh, so he did another quite obvious one a couple of weeks ago, where he actually shouted to the bench, "Should I look for it?" <laughs> Way to be discreet, Sergio. Got a yellow a minute later. <laughs> So, yeah, he's been charged by that. I don't know what the outcome of that is, but I assume there'll be some sort of uh, investigation into that. Credit to him. If he, and can, the other if one he is... can target a yellow card and get it within a minute, I mean, that's some good, unacceptable footballing behaviour. Absolutely, and something we can we condone here. Um, uh, Simeone, on the other side of Madrid, has been charged for his celebrations after um, Atletico scored against Juventus. Again, did you see this? No. It was, um, and it was, oh, sticks in my mind for one. I was watching the game and uh, Atletico put the ball in the net. I can't remember if it was the first or second goal, but 
um, Simeone turns to the crowd, grabs his crotch with both hands, thrusts <laughs> towards the stands. Uh, and I think he shouts cojones or something as well. <laughs> get a grip, you. No way, no, don't get a grip. Um... I think that's the problem. That's, <laughs> that's what's going on. Uh, sort yourself uh, out. And, uh, well, it, it, on the subject of cojones as well, uh, Frank Lampard, um, uh, he's, he's been picked out uh, in the last game. Uh, fans are thinking that he stormed over to Roy King, who is now the assistant manager of uh, Nottingham Forest, um, to shout, get some effing balls during a tight spat in which uh, Derby lost 1-0 to Forrest. But, I mean, of all the people to shout that to, wouldn't be top of my list. No, he'll, Frank Lampard will be on a crutch to his next uh, home match. I mean, yeah, I, I haven't heard from him since, to be honest. Um, <laughs> he, he, I've placed personal with Frank Lampard. Well, yeah, well you know, got, roughly, got you, you know. Uh, sends me a Snapchat every once in a while. But, uh, you know, Frank, if you're listening, get in touch. Uh, I'm sure. <laughs> so do I. Right, I think that wraps everything up for us this week. Thank you, Alan, for joining me. Thank you very much. And hopefully, Ra- we'll all see you soon. Bye bye.